0: Hi, we are Inspired Churches, and we are honored for you to tune in. We are a church that is being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and walking in rhythms of life for the good of the city and for the glory of God. As we walk into a new year, we invite you to be part of the ministry by donating a gift today. Go ahead and visit us at inspiredchurches.com. Um, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Inspire Church. If you're new with us, thank you for joining us. A little bit different this morning, uh, but I hope you understand. My name is Philip Muelle. I'm the lead pastor here at Inspire Church, and I'm just uh, excited to bring you the word this morning as we are uh, continuing, continuing, continuing through our sermon series that we are called Essentials, and just by way of an update, and hi, Leah, by the way, <laughs> we love you, Leah, um, and just by way of an update, uh, we have one more week left Um, next week will be our final installment from this this series and we are calling it witness and so what we're really excited about is to take all of these beautiful essentials of the gospel of Jesus Christ and then to say now what um and, and really we're called to be a witness. We're called to go out and tell the story of Jesus Christ. And so I'm really, really excited for our final. Um we have two weeks left uh with our groups, and they have been wonderful. I think our I think yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, uh I, I I think we're we're almost gonna end up averaging somewhere close to 78 to 80 people in groups. Um, and so that is so so incredible. Uh, just by way of a pastoral reminder, <clears throat> this Wednesday, we will be fasting as a church. As you know, we're going through a relocation process, um, and we're Abraham right now. We don't know where. God has just told us to go. And so uh, we are asking that you would continue to pray with us, that he would make his will known. Amen? Amen. Um, I will go. We will do church in a tent if that's where God wants us, you know? And so um, our goal is not not to go where we want to go, <clears throat> but where God wants us to go. Amen few of you agree with that. Praise God. Uh, the rest of you are like, well, it depends on where you go, pastor. Um, <laughs> amen and amen. Um, our culture is built on performance and achievement, isn't it? And if you think about it, we perform and achieve in order to justify our worth. Just think about that. Right? And so what do we do? We, we pack our resumes, our LinkedIn, right? With awards that we've earned, places that we've worked. Why do we do that? In order to prove that we are worthy of the job. And then when we get the job, we work hard to prove our worth so that we can be converted from temporary to permanent. And then once we're converted, we endure ongoing performance reviews to prove our worth again. Are you with me? And this is true everywhere, everywhere in life. From resumes uh, uh, to college transcripts, from credit checks to background reports. We are constantly trying to prove our worth over and over and over again. And this pressure to perform in order to validate our existence causes so much stress, so much worry, so much pain, so much fear, so much doubt, so much insecurity. But I have good news. There is a justification apart from your performance. There is a way. There is a justification apart from your performance that proves that you are more infinitely valuable than you could have ever imagined. And best of all, it's a justification that is not based on your performance. But it's based on the performance of Jesus Christ. This morning we are discussing the essential, the essential of all essentials justification by faith, justification by faith. Amen. So let's pray. And then we'll get into the text. Heavenly father, would you anoint me uh, to speak your word? Well, I pray that as the seed of the word is sown in this building, that as the seed of the gospel is casted into the soils of every heart and mind in this room, I know that the wicked one is in here. Wanting to steal it. I know that the evil one is in here. Wanting to cause it to not fall into deep soil. I know that as we throw the gospel soil. Some will fall in shallow soil. And the sun will come up and burn it. Some will fall on fallow ground. Rocky ground. And the birds will come up and steal it. But some will fall on good soil. And they'll walk out of here being transformed by the gospel and so help me to be a faithful steward of I'm just going to cast the seed and I pray Lord that your will would be done that your your word wouldn't come back void this morning we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus amen Amen. if you have your bibles open up with me to Romans chapter 3 Uh, I think if you've been with us for several years now, Romans, you're like, yeah, I remember that. When we went through, we did an entire year through the book of Romans. Um, and, uh, and I'm hopeful. I th- I'm anticipating maybe next year to be able to do a sermon series, maybe an entire year through another book. Um, but it was just a really great time, I think, for us to dive so deep into Romans. And so um, this will be, be a bit of a refresher. Um, not really, because I'm sure we've all forgotten. But uh, Romans chapter 3, and we are going to read verses 19 through 28. So we'll have it for you here on the screens. If you have your Bibles, feel free to open up. If you have your Bible apps, feel free to turn those on. And, um, and we believe that the Spirit can speak to you. Um, any way um, that he wants. Amen. Amen. And so uh, again, my hope is that the text is illuminating, illuminating today. Like this justification is like such a powerful, like if you could truly grasp this this morning, like this can really like powerfully change the way, radically change the way you make decisions. Um, And so I've just been praying and just hoping that at least for some of you, this, this is more than just a Sunday morning where you attended and you sat down and you had some coffee and then you left, but this is, this is a, a marked month, Sunday. Amen. Romans chapter three nineteen through 28. Uh, the apostle Paul writes, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped. And the whole world may be held accountable. So you already know this is going to be pretty heavy. Verse 20. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested. This is key. Apart from the law. You see that? Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who what? Perform? Achieve? No, believe. For all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. powerful verse right verse 24 and are justified by his grace as a what gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith this was to show God's righteousness This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins, verse 26. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. By what kind of law? By the law of works? No, but by the law of faith. And finally, verse 28, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. I have a, a, a tall task this morning to build a case against you, which means that there is going to be a high chance that people will be offended this morning because that's what happens when you build a case against somebody. But I'm going to believe that my goal isn't just to build a case against you, but my goal is ultimately in building that case to point you to where you can have freedom. So stay with me, even if it hurts, because I promise the gospel heals and we'll call you closer to Jesus. I want you to learn this morning. Pastor Andy and I were actually talking about it this week. My, my prayer is that you might apprehend the gospel. All right, so in doing that, anticipate teaching and less preaching today. I know a lot of us like the heart stuff, like speak to my heart and hit me with the affections. And I believe inspirational. We're called Inspired Church, right? This is what we wanna do. But I think the mind needs to apprehend the gospel. We need to look at it. We need to take it apart. We need to learn it. And so just as a way of a PSA this morning, like anticipate some teaching. And you know, I, I, I want to encourage note taking. You know, um, take your notes out. I promise I won't think you're texting. Um, but nonetheless, if you ch- check your fantasy football, I won't even know. But I, I want to trust that the Holy Spirit. I want to. I want to speak to your mind and 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 trust the Holy Spirit with your heart. Amen. Yeah. And so, really, I have two simple tasks. If I were to split this morning's sermon talk (laughs) I want to split it into two tasks number one is I want to describe to you the justification that comes from ourselves and I want to talk to you about how that's invalid and then I want to tell you about the justification that comes from Christ and so there is a justification that comes from you that condemns you but there is a justification that has come from Christ that will give you life the entire gospel hinges on believing that and agreeing with that wholeheartedly. And so that's my task today. And so for my first point, I wanna talk about the justification that comes from ourselves. In Psalm 130, David asks what I believe is the most critical question facing mankind. It's not World War III. It's not climate change. It's not politics. The most critical question that man could ask, David asks in Psalm 130. And he says this, if the Lord keeps records of sins, who can stand? And I believe here in Romans 3 verse 20, Paul provides an answer to that question when he says, by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. And guess what? Paul not only answers David's question, but then he also gives us a reason why. Revealing to us the standard by which God determines who is right and who is wrong. David not only tells us uh, the reason why, but he gives us the standard, the measuring rod by which God determines who is just and who is not. How does God know who is righteous and who is not? How does he determine who gets in and who gets out? Well, according to Paul here, the standard is the law. And since we're all criminals in this room, one way, shape, form, or another, The law is scary, intimidating, but it's so necessary in order for us to understand that there's a justification outside of it. Now, I want to take a moment to explain to you two reasons why the law exists. If you're taking notes, two reasons. Why did God give us his law? And when we say the law Paul clarifies what he means. He means the Pentateuch, the law of Moses, not just the the Ten Commandments, but it's the Old Testament scripture, the Hebrew scripture, the prophets and the law. The law of Moses, the five books of Moses and the prophets together is the law of God. And so why did God give us his book? Why did he inspire men to write two reasons why the law exists. So you ready? If you're taking notes, really simple, reason number one is that the law reveals God. The law reveals God. And if you just want to go ahead because you're taking notes, reason number two is the law exposes man. And you don't have to go there yet on the slides, you guys are doing great, but I'm just getting ahead of myself. You just want to know the notes right now. The law reveals God and the law exposes man. So let's talk about how the law reveals God. Because we are finite creatures, amen? And God is infinite. It would be impossible for us to know God unless he revealed himself to us. Do you guys get that? Because we are finite and foolish, it would be impossible for us to know God unless God himself revealed himself to us, right? I, I much, rather would under, I'd much rather understand God through divine revelation versus human speculation. So the law of God is simply God's perfection revealed to us. Are you with me? It's the revelation of God's holiness. It's the revelation of God's character, God's credibility, God's integrity, God's divine nature. It it reveals who he is, how he thinks, what he hates, and what he loves. this is so key this means that God himself is the standard by which all of humanity is examined and measured up against and if God is the standard then man is exposed and so we move on the law reveals God but the law also exposes man somebody like I don't really like the law Like a mirror revealing the burger in your nose. Like a mirror revealing something that we all love when somebody tells us, hey, you got a little, you know what I'm saying? Right? We all love the mirror, right? We look at it every day. Some of you do too much, right? But God forbid, like we go to a public place or space with something that's not right. And the law, like a mirror, reveals. Are you with me? Are you with me? The law reveals to you and I how we look before a holy God. And it's not pretty. You see, in light of God, nobody is innocent. That's that's the one thing about Christianity that I really enjoy. There's a level playing field. (laughs) Everyone starts with you're all sinners. And if you could just agree with that, then it'll be less hard when your particular sins are called out no he not we had like two agreeing no you see in light of God nobody is innocent not even the pastor on the pulpit nobody is blameless I want you to think about it if God in all of his infinite perfections is the standard by which all of your thoughts actions motives and attitudes are judged then it should be painfully obvious very quickly that you don't measure up this is why paul says something pretty direct in verse 19 doesn't he He says every mouth is stopped (laughs) anybody like me you you do too much (laughs) right paul says the law was given to shut everyone up (sighs) that's hard are you sure paul said it like that in other words, in light of the law, all of mankind is silenced, defenseless, and without any excuses. For those of you that believe you're going to stand before God one day, when you meet the holy, pure, righteous creator of all things, anything he says, you'll, you will not be able to refute. He knows all. He sees all. And in that moment, when you stand before him, you'll silence. You'll be silenced. That's what we believe. Yet, in our arrogance, right? Anybody arrogant? Because of our rebellion against God, we still manage to become exceptional self-justifiers. Don't we? We got any experts in here? (laughs) You know? (laughs) The elbow's hidden, right? We got, we got some self-justifiers in the room, don't we? Now, here's, here's what I want to do. Now that we understand the law, um, I want to dive deep. I, w- I want to take time to describe four ways humanity tries to justify themselves, okay? <laughs> the first three are in relation to God's law. And the last one is outside of God's law. So the first three is for all the folks that believe in God's law. And then the last one is for maybe there might be some atheists in the building or just kind of folks that are secular and don't really believe in any type of divine being. Well, I got a little something for you too. Okay, we got a little little something for everybody today. So let me talk about one way that we justify ourselves as human beings in relationship to God's law. Number one, The first one is we deny, set aside, or ignore God's law. One way this happens in our culture is that we misappropriate love, don't we? Our culture has really taken love and has redefined it in a way that I think abuses the actual definition of what love is. You know, we talk about love as if it overlooks sin. As if love turns a blind eye to injustice. In fact, for justice to exist, love has to exist. And this deception has led an entire culture to believe a very dangerous narrative that I fear some Christians believe, which is why I'm here to pastor you this morning. There's a dangerous narrative that's being repeated often in our culture. And what is it narrative? God accepts me just the way that I am. That sounds good, doesn't it? That sounds good, right? That, that feels good. But in an effort to justify our sin, we have confused enablement for love. We've confused enablement for love. And anyone who has ever deeply loved someone, anyone who has ever parented a child knows that true love is never passive or permissive with evil. True love must discipline. True love at times must confront. Do you agree with that? True love at times must correct. In order to shape and mold the one that is being loved. In order for that person to be molded for their ultimate good and their ultimate benefit. There needs to be correction. There needs to be shaping. There needs to be molding. There can't be passive, permissive, turn the blind eye. And since it is God's desire for all of his people to look like him. Him. The law is not something that we should abandon, neglect, or overlook, as some would suggest, but it is something that we should cherish and love as a tool that helps reveal and reflect our Heavenly Father and it exposes us. Think of God's law as like this spiritual self awareness. Without it, you would totally justify your behavior. And so contrary to what some so-called Christian leaders preach, we are not to do away with the law. Let's throw the Old Testament out, right? We like Jesus. Let's just talk about what, you know, he's nice and he's merciful and he's forgiving and he's all these elements, right? But let's just throw everything else out. We, We cannot divorce the law. Another way that we justify ourselves according to God's law is we we adjust it, don't we? (laughs) Just make a little edit, (laughs) right? Relax it a little bit. Amen? Here our justification does not come by abolishing the law, but by revising it. Revising a little bit. We all do this. We're experts at that. And I, you know, one way in which I've seen this happen culturally is, is we reason that society is progressing. Don't we? Like, isn't there a narrative that we're becoming more educated? We're enlightened. Technology is advancing. Right? We are an enlightened species. And so because we are progressive and we are an enlightening, then this old archaic book it it needs to be revised let's not throw it out there's some good things in there but like can can we can we go through it because we are enlightened and can we revise it you see the arrogance in that all the Christians said yeah some people don't believe in God like no not really (laughs) right well we'll get to you soon Now, I wanna be like super sensitive with this particular topic. Um, this is, I really want you to hear my heart here. But I really do wanna bring this up because I think that it's so important because of the conversations that I've been recently having with a few of my pastoral friends. And recently I've had two conversations with some, pastors, friend, for some pastor friends of mine. And they have been wrestling with the idea of affirming same-sex marriage. And they been wrestling with that. And I've been sitting and we've been having great conversations. And what's interesting is that in their wrestle and in our conversation, they don't, they don't wanna abandon the scripture. They don't, they don't wanna throw out the scripture. And so on one hand, they will affirm what the scripture says about a marriage being monogamous. And we say, amen. 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 And they will also affirm that a marriage being in a covenant. Amen. A a promise. A promise, you and only you till death do we part. But on the other hand, they're wrestling with God's original design that it would be between one man and one woman. And while I completely understand the complexity and difficulty of this conversation, and while I can genuinely honor the desire to make sure that we embrace all people. Amen? Yes. The moment we begin to edit the text. Revise the text. Is the moment that we begin to appease the culture. And is the moment that God ceases to become the standard. And no matter how sincere they are. These pastors are in danger of. Of blessing the self-justification of human beings. Now I want you to hear my heart. At Inspire. We will always honor the image of God. In all people. No matter their choices. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and anyone who does not. Will get a swift rebuke from me. Yes. And we will always be equal opportunity offenders. Because there are many churchy folk in here right now that have the audacity to point fingers when your life is hidden and your hidden life is full of sin. You, you know, if you point a finger, or if you, yeah, do this and talk about that and get them and say this thing. if you start being tribal about it, it means you've forgotten grace. You're a sinner. But no matter where you're at, whether you're in church or you're out of church, the law of God speaks to all mankind so that every mouth is stopped. And so we will honor the image of God, but we will always authentically love you. And we all might have different definitions of love. But the way this church defines love, we will always authentically love you by proclaiming the truth in love and refusing to allow anyone to live in a false sense of security. Do you understand as a pastor, I will stand before God one day and give an account. And if God forbid, I gave anyone in this room a false sense of eternal security. This is the tension I wrestle with. And as I talk to these other pastors that are wrestling with, I don't immediately like, what's going? We come together compassionately to discuss because what, what a tension. Jeez, yeah. mm-hmm. We deny the law, don't we? We adjust it. We edit it. And finally, we, we try hard or promise to do better. Yeah, Yeah. and and attempt to fulfill the law in our own strength. Yeah, Yeah. this is for all you churchy folk now, right? This is for all you religious folk. This is for everyone who's like, I go to church and here are my my accolades. Let me give you a list of things that I do. Look how much I pray. Look at the tithing report. Look how much I give, Pastor Phil. Can I sit in the front? No, not here, huh? (laughs) Look how much I fast. Look Look how much I read the Bible. Look how holy I am. Are you guys with me? There are many inside of the church who are living in a false sense of security too. And you know what you do? Because you're religious, you're critical, and you have the audacity to point at other people. While ignoring your sin. So that you can what? Justify yourself. And so it don't matter where you're at. We are all self-justifiers. You think that if you pray enough, fast enough, give enough, attend enough, right? Go to religious events, go to church, go to mass twice on Sunday, that you can somehow earn God's favor, that you're like his favorite one, but you've missed the gospel because you think that you can justify yourself with your own resume of works. A few weeks ago, I preached a message on repentance. Another tough message. And I, I overheard a few folks, actually. It was a few times I overheard this. Um, you know, people say, son, I don't get it. Right? Like, why do I need to repent? <laughs> I'm a good person. Right? And this is actually real common when it comes to repentance. But can I tell you why there are two problems with that? Right? Like, I don't get why God wants us to repent. I'm, I'm a good person. Can I just give you two problems with that? cool. You you guys like, we're not going to answer. You're going to do it anyway. So what are you waiting for? Right. Number one, here's why there's a problem with that. Y'all ready? According to the Bible, to be justified by the law requires perfect compliance at all times. (laughs) This means that when you stand before God, you know, some of you think you're going to go before God and there's going to be this scale. And I'm going to put all the good things that I did and all the bad things that I did. at the end of the day, right? If one goes this way, right? If I could just do a little bit more good than bad, I'm in. But I want you to know that according to the holiness of God. According to the infinite righteousness of this divine being who created all things, who is infinitely holy, infinitely pure, infinitely just. Are you with me? According to him, even if you have one sin to put on that scale, that one stain is enough to wash the entire dress. Right? And I want to say, this is what I call evangelical ignorance. Because all we do is go to church on Sundays. Right, And a lot of the churches that we call evangelical now are not even preaching the truth. It's not about how many sins you've committed. It's not even about, some of like, well, I just haven't done the bad ones. Well, what are the bad ones? What are the bad ones? Right? It's not about how many sins you've committed. It's not even about if you've done the bad ones. <laughs> right? But in light of an infinitely perfect, infinitely pure, infinitely holy, Even one blemish is enough to stain the entire dress. Therefore, we are not to turn our nose up to others as if you don't stink. You know, one of the things that have really impacted me, there's Jesus tells the parable of two people praying. One's a tax collector and one's like a publican, you know, so the religious churchy guy and one's like the person that's like in the street. And the one in the street's like, God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. And the tax collector is like, God, thank you so much. I'm not like him. And the question is, which one is justified? Amen. And that's how I strive to live my life. When I have conversations with people, when I preach up here, I always want ever be before me. I never want to be the guy that says, look at them. I may not always succeed, but I ask the Lord that every time I minister and the way I live my life that I always remember. Even the person you see on the street, think of a, whatever, whatever person, I don't want to even name So, whatever you think in your own mind is dirty and outcasted, how dare you think you're better? Amen? And if the grace of God has touched you and you truly apprehend the gospel you'll repent of being the publican. Y'all with me? And if you're still not convinced, maybe I'm not doing a great job. If you're still not convinced and you still think that you are good, remember that even your good deeds, <laughs> remember that remember even your best deeds on your best day are still dipped in self-righteousness. Because you're all just performing in order to get in. You're all just like, I'm. even the good things that you do you, you need that applause. Come on. You need that praise. And here's how I can prove it. Just keep doing good and let nobody thank you. And I guarantee you, oh, they should have. That, you know, I know I do it all the time. Right? You ever open the door for someone? I've told you this story many a times. When I'm in my flesh, I'll yell thank you for them. Yeah. And thank God they don't turn around like, oh, hey, Pastor Phil. <laughs> Right, I'll open the door and I fully anticipate them to say thank you. And if they don't, I'm like, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) What a jerk. (laughs) This is the problem with religiosity. Your good deeds stink. Because you're just trying to achieve riches. You're trying to use God, you're trying to get in. It's not, it's transactional, it's not love. It's not good in light of God. It's good for yourself. And you think our holy, infinite, righteous, all-knowing, just God doesn't know that and doesn't see that? Hopefully you're convinced. In the end, even our best moral attempts to earn God's favor are just different ways we try to justify ourselves. Right? Some of us go to church to feel better. Some of you come here on Sundays because it's some sort of like point for you. I went to church. Like, your attendance is self-justification. Wow. Okay, I got to get back here. I'm looking at my time. You guys should have started it late. (laughs) Just kidding. Praise God for our team. Now, remember I said, there's some of you in this room that are like, yeah, but I don't believe in all that. I don't believe in the law. The law has no bearing on me. I'm not going to abolish it, edit it, try to fulfill it, because I don't care about it. Because I don't believe it exists. There might be people in this room like, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in all that. Some, you know, this is man-made. This is man-ridden. It's not, I have no bearing on my life. Right? Yeah. Justification, righteousness, propitiation. Don't even know what that is, Pastor Phil. The law of God, I simply don't care. That's your problem. You're religious, not me. Justification is not my problem, but I want to respectfully disagree. And I want to point back to my opening to the sermon. Most people live their lives trying to justify their existence. Even if you're not a Christian, you live your life accumulating for yourself awards. You work to earn. And then what you earn, you, you, you show and what you show justifies whether your life matters. We are all motivated by this. You go to school. You earn degrees. You get advancements in your career. You accumulate stuff. Nice cars. Nice house. What all of, What is this? This is all a show. In order to prove to everyone looking, but to prove to yourself that you're valuable. That you matter. And you know what that is? That's religion. I wanted to get the meme of the Spider-Man like pointing at each other. You know what I mean? It's like the same guy. You may not go to church. You may not believe in God. But you have a God that you work for and you earn. And you build up a list of righteousness. And that righteousness justifies you. So even if you're not religious in the building, the reality is you are working, performing, achieving, hoping to validate your existence. You're proving yourself, maybe the mom and dad. You're proving yourself to that boss that fired you. You're always proving, you're always performing. And the weight of that is so heavy and so crushing. Because it's never enough. It's never enough. Rockefeller said, just another million dollars. It's never enough. And you'll get what you want. And it's not enough. Because what you want is more money, more problems. (laughs) Right. Are you with me? Everyone. And I know I went off my... My my notes here. Everyone, whether religious or irreligious, is looking and longing to be justified. Amen? Yeah. Right, singles, you're justifying yourself by trying to find somebody. Am, am I valuable? Am I worth it? Am I good looking? Am I wanted? We, just are, we justify ourselves on IG every time we put up our, our best pose. Every like is a justification. Right? Okay, I'm going to get off this because I'm running out of time. It's, it's into this world of striving, performing, and achieving that the gospel invites you to rest it's in this world of working really hard to justify your existence to prove that you're valuable that Jesus invites you to rest to lay your burdens down to stop acting, stop pretending, stop performing, and just sit and receive and trust and believe. You notice all the gospel words are passive, (laughs) right? And our, our, our home group, we are always like, okay, every time we say the word try, we're like, you know, now we're all messed up. Like, dude, where do I even try anymore, right? <laughs> and it got, you know, but, but it, we just, what, what do, you know, everyone says, what must I do? <laughs> what must I do to be saved? What must I do? What, what do I do now, Paul? What do I do now, Peter? Tell me what, what do I do? Why, what do I do? i got to go to church now. i got to go. And those are all beautiful things. But, but, the, but, but Jesus says, there's, there's no doing. There's just accepting and receiving, That the justification of God is passive in that you don't put any effort into it. You just receive it. You just believe it. That's why it's called good news and not good advice. Right? Good advice is this is what you got to do. Good news is you just go, oh man, that's good. That's awesome. Wow. Okay. (laughs) This is why there's no real religion like Christianity. Every Every religion says that you have to do things in order to earn God's favor. Think about it. Every religion says you have to perform. You have to do this many prayers and you've got to face this way and face that way. You've got to do this. You have to give this much money. You've got to do all this stuff. Every religion says that you can get to God. Christianity says you can't. But the good news is that he's come to you. How are people so offended by this? This is the best news. This is the best news. Our salvation is not based on what we can do for God. All of us in the room are so used to being used. We get used, don't we? Everywhere we get used. And yet Christ says, "Like I'm, I'm here to save you, not based on your performance." I'm God, I don't need you to do anything for me to make me more holier. There's nothing you need to do. God is like, man, I'm holy. Here's what I've done to make you holy. Ours is a justification that is not based on our own efforts, achievements, striving. Our righteousness is that is not from ourselves, but a righteousness that is from God. You see, justification is not just a pardoning of sin. But it's a gifting of righteousness. Are you with me? This is why the good news of the gospel must include the life of Christ and not just the death. Can I teach you something in here? We got a few minutes. Can I just teach you something here? Yes? Great. I'm g- going to do it anyway. Christians, you think that justification, the cross just represents forgiveness. Are you with me? And so we overlook the life lived by Christ and we emphasize the death, but why is the life so important? Because in Christ's life, he was perfectly submitted to the father in Christ's life. He was perfectly obedient to every part of the law in Christ's life. No action, no thought, no motive was impure. For 33 and a half years, Christ walked this earth in flesh and never once sinned. He was spotless, blameless, innocent. Are you with me? And so when he died, something didn't get taken away from you, but something was added to you. That means when you put your faith in Jesus, his performance his obedience, his surrender. You remember when he was tempted in the wilderness, Satan himself tempted Jesus. When he overcome every temptation, that award and that accolade was given to you. So that justification is not just about forgiveness, what's taken away, but it's about what's been given to you. And I think maybe your worship isn't passionate enough because you don't quite understand what you've been given in Christ. Maybe maybe your passion and your zeal and, and, your, and your complacency is the result of not remembering just what he gave you. We're not just talking about a judge that said not guilty. We're talking about a judge that said not guilty. Then, like Pastor Rogers said, adopted you into his family. And not only did he adopt you into his family, but he gave everything that belonged to him, to you, as if you were his firstborn son. Y'all don't really know grace. You just think of it in subtraction and you fail to understand addition and you live your life that way. Because if you knew what was added to you, you'd stop trying to justify yourself. Your money, your car, your looks, your job, your career, your title, your position, Sure, I'm not saying quit all. Of the, those are great things, but they wouldn't become ultimate things. Your children. Some of you are justified by how good of a parent you are, and it's all over you. You can see your my children. You're just justifying yourself. You see how the gospel changes everything. When we say we are a gospel-centered church, the gospel transforms everything. We never move away from it. I've heard it said, to speak forgiveness is to say you may go. Go in peace, you've been forgiven. But to speak of justification is to say you may come. Not only are you forgiven, but now you're welcomed into the presence of a holy, infinitely pure and righteous God. And you know how you come in? Not by your performance, but by putting your trust, your faith in the performance of Christ. You know what will make you a better person is <laughs> not by trying to do better, but it's constantly thinking about what Christ has done for you. Wow. When you're sinning, when you're caught, the, the first thing you do is like, okay, I gotta do better. I can't do this no more. The first thing is to sit and say, Jesus, I've forgotten how lovely you are. I've forgotten how justified I am in you. And here I am trying to do justification in my own way. And it's leading me to break the law. <laughs> and so thank you, Jesus, because you lived the life that I couldn't live. And you took the punishment that I deserve. So that when I put my faith in you, guess what happened? Two things. We say this a lot. Not only did I put my sin on him, but then he gave to me every ounce of his perfect record of divine righteousness. Wow. Wow. Now, in light of that truth, live your life. to invite the team to come forward, as they're already there, reminding me. I was like, come up, team. You know, uh, it's been a long one. You guys have done great, but I do want to finish with this. Um, I think we take the cross for granted. I think we take the cross for granted because the cross means so much more than we think. So I want to finish today by just gazing at the wonder of the cross because Paul uses an interesting word. He uses, we are just God's justice and justification collides at the cross. You can see at the cross justice and justification. Go ahead. You guys can make your way up. Listen, on the cross, on the cross, we see the justice of God. I know there's some moving around, but try and stick with me here because we're trying to gaze at the cross. (laughs) On the cross, we see the justice of God. Y'all with me? What do I mean by that? What do we see on the cross? We see God judging the guilty. In Christ. Y'all with me? On the cross, we see God, the Father, judging the guilty in Christ. How is that so? Because when we put our faith in him, guess what? We put our sin upon him. He who knew no sin became sin, so that we might be made the righteousness of Christ. Are you with me? Are you with me? So on the cross, we see God judging the guilty in Christ. On the cross, we see God's wrath pouring out on Christ. On the cross, we see the penalty paid. We see the debt cleared. But we don't just see the justice of God. We also see the love of God and the grace of God. On the cross, we see the love and grace of God. On the cross, we see our sin, our guilt, and our shame exchanged for Christ's perfection, Christ's purity, Christ's honor. Are you doing okay? You see, I think we know more about what God takes away than what he gives. I want you to think about this. And we're, we're coming to an end right here. Every divine honor. Every divine award. Every divine accolade that Christ achieved in his life has been given to you on the cross. As if you had earned it yourself so that His honor becomes your honor because of the cross. His award becomes your award because of the cross. His accolades become your accolades on the cross. This is the genius of God. This is what makes God righteous. That God has made a way to justify guilty sinners without compromising justice. This is the genius. God has made a way to justify guilty sinners without compromising his credibility and integrity as righteous and justice. How does he do that? He's done that in Christ. Because of his justice, no sin will go unpunished in Christ. You with me? Yet because of his grace, no sinner cannot be elevated and distinguished to a place of supreme honor because of Christ this is the heart of the Christian faith that God's love and God's justice meet on the cross and Paul finishes where's your boasting (laughs) where's your boasting now your boasting is not in your own righteousness but our boasting is in Christ before we go, I just want to give you an opportunity. I want to give myself an opportunity. I want to give, put all of us on a level playing field. Whether you're a follower of Christ or not, we are all falling in the trap of justifying ourselves. And so right now, I just want you to lay your self-justification down and heed the invitation of the cross that says, come to me, all those, right, who are heavy laden, and burden, and I will give you rest. Take upon yourself my yoke. My yoke is light. My yoke is easy. My burden is easy. Jesus. Jesus. So, Heavenly Father, we are all a bunch of self justifiers that are desperately in need of a justification that comes from you and not from us. And so we repent. (laughs) That word all of a sudden doesn't become so scary when we understand that repentance is a beautiful invitation to lay our doing, our striving, our working, our competing down at the cross and to simply receive and trust in what Christ has done on our behalf so we gladly repent this morning and I pray that the gospel of Jesus Christ not just the sins that were forgiven but the righteousness that was imputed to us would be the motivating factor in all that we do as we leave this building this morning and so if we're going to boast in anything or anyone we're going to boast in the cross and so I pray as we leave this place let us not forget let us always remember and allow the gospel to constantly motivate our work, our school, our interactions with our friends, our family, the way that we serve, the way we all of those works and things that we, we don't earn your love, but I pray that your love motivates us to live a life that gives you honor and glory. And so we thank you for your word this morning. It does not come back void. I am leaning on that word, Holy Spirit, that you would do what I can't do and you would help it to bear fruit In our lives as we leave. Thank you so much. We honor you. We praise you. And we thank you for all you're doing and all that you've already done. In Christ's name that we pray. Amen and amen. Inspire family, thank you for taking this ride with me this morning. We love you. God bless. We'll see you this week at home groups and back here on Sunday. Have a wonderful day. Again, thank you so much for tuning in today. Our prayer and hope is that you would be transformed by God's Word and live for Him. Before you go, would you consider giving a gift today? By faith, we are walking into the new year and continuing to believe in what God is doing in the city through our missional communities and mercy ministries. Visit us at inspiredchurches.com to give a gift and let's see together the great things God will continue to do in the new year.